Oompa loompa doopa dee doo. I've got a perfect puzzle for you. Oompa loompa doopa dee dee. If you are wise, you'll listen to me. What do you get when you subscribe to the pod on Apple or Spotify or wherever you are? Leaving a five-star review, you'll get Haven't Seen It, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, coming up next. Haven't Seen It with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that person is Tommy. We are just continuing down this road of like, hey, Tommy, (laughs) I'm raising you via films right now. And these are all the movies you should have seen as a child. And this is another one. Uh, I'm I'm getting you uh, strictly for the horror uh, type crowd, and uh, you're getting me for everything else. <laughs> yeah, pretty so, much, pretty much. <laughs> I, am, really I am really just broadening your horizons with like yeah. the most um, like movies that you should have just seen, but you just didn't. I don't know, I don't yeah, know what yeah. happened, man? Well, sometimes um, it's just like, oh, do I want to see that classic movie? No, I want to see some random fucking movie right now, like two a.m. <laughs> could I could I watch something really beneficial? No, no. I'm going to watch somebody get their eyeball stabbed out with a fork and then the serial killer eats it. Right. Is that what you normally watch, Tommy? Typically, typically. Yeah. That's usually what our plot process is like, oh, this is a random horror movie I've never seen before. Let me throw it on. Thank you, Shudder. (laughs) Also, that uh, intro I said to Tommy, all I told him was, this is the corniest thing I've ever done. And then (laughs) Tommy muted himself while he was just laughing hysterically at me as I as I sang through that little jingle there, how do, how would you, how do you rate my Oompa Loompa song? Uh, um, you know, I give you like a, I don't know, like four out of five right there. So oh. decent. Good. Oh, good, good. That's very good, sweet. Yeah. Good, good little vibe right there. You so. know, if you're a true podcast partner, you'd give it a five out of five because it was for promoting the podcast. Huh? Ah, yeah, but I, 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 I was sticking <laughs> for you. <laughs> so I think we teased this on lethal weapon episode, but I think it's time because when this episode is out, Knives Out Glass Onion will be on Netflix and people Ooh. have watched it. And now we're going to spoil everything for everybody. Just kidding. We're just going to kind of talk about it and see how we liked it. Tommy, I'd love your thoughts first. Uh, so we talked about briefly on Lethal Weapon that like I, we both saw this in theaters. Uh, you know, this is about like two or three weeks ago during Thanksgiving week. And I think that this was a very worthy follow up. I was talking to one of my our friend, Will. Is this already in the pantheon of like greatest sequ- one of the greatest sequels of all time? I mean, it might be a little too soon to say that, but I think it's a great follow up. I think it's a worthy follow up. I think that within a few years, we could see that question be answered. And I think it wouldn't be that outrageous to say, or it's just equally on the level of Knives Out One. I mean, I like Ni- I, I like these kind of movies. Um, I'm, def- I'm not saying I, that- it's not one of the greatest sequels <laughs> of all time. Well, I'm not. Is. I'm not saying like is it like Godfather Two, Empire Strikes Back, but I'm saying in terms of a follow up of the original movie. Yes, when- because it gets to do, it gets to do its entirely own thing. Like this, they can make yeah. uh, they can make seven dozen of these, and they can all be original and fresh. Fresh because you're following one quirky character, 
mm-hmm. doing a murder mystery and it's a new plot every time. Um, I did. I felt like in this one, it's and I haven't seen the original in probably two years now. But I felt like this one, they spent a lot more time in flashbacks. Like they spent like a good half an hour in like the middle of the movie, then explaining everything that was like, like the background of why LeBlanc was on the island. And that was a little too, like, I was like, that could have been maybe, I guess in the pace of the movie, it makes sense. For me, it was like, like, like a, a very big moment just happened. And then we're stuck in this like weird passage of like like information in scenes that we were just in, and it's just filling in more and more and more information. And I didn't dislike it, but it felt a little disingenuous. Also, who the bad guy was, like who was going to be the main bad, like the who the killer was, was like clear as day. Yeah, a little tug up right there. I felt like it was. <laughs> And I, I would even say in Knives Out one, they did a better job of hiding it. I still, th- I, 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 it I think was fun. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just no, saying I, I, I'm I think it was just as obvious in the first one uh, who the killer was, if not more. I think that that was like, uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil either Knives Out movie right here. But... We can spoil, we can spoil the first Knives Out. It's been three years. I, I don't care. So fast forward if you haven't seen a spoiler alert. Um, you got the soundboard still, right? <laughs> that's just spoil. Oh yeah, I do have that sound drop up. Thank you for reminding me, Tommy. Oh, spoiler alert! Yeah, I don't ever get to drop that one. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. Uh, yeah, you know, like Chris Evans was very obvious as the killer in the first one. So <laughs> yeah, well, he was like implied the killer, and I think my brain was like when I first saw it was like, okay, it's so obvious that it's him. Mm-hmm. That it can't be him, and then it just ended up being him. Yeah. Um. In this one, it was like, oh, that's the guy, and then that ended up being the correct assumption. They also is this a spoiler? The the painting. Um, we won't get too much into it, but so we'll 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 let. There's uh, a you thing with a very yourself. famous painting that happens, and I was like, mm. I thought that was funny. I, I, was th- funny. I thought it was just like. It was just playing up like the rich absurdity. I mean, they they did that in the first. Oh, one. I, I know. I know. Agree. It was it was more of the the latter half that happens to the painting. Yeah, that I had took more issue with. Like I got the joke at the beginning. It's like this guy's got a trillion dollars and can rent out the Mona Lisa because spoiler. Because <laughs> he had it. Oh, oh my god! It's in spoiler <laughs> alert. I don't care. Yeah. All right. So. If you ever, if you're ever with me, I don't care about spoilers. I just don't. I just can't. I just so, can't. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> welcome to the pod, baby. Uh, but yeah, uh, give me your give me your score to five, Tommy. Knives out, glass onion. Um, if I remember correctly, on Letterbox, I gave it a four point five out of five. Uh, I think it's a very worthy follow up and very fun movie, and uh, it's gonna be rewatchable just the same way that Knives Out one was. Yeah, I I would agree. I would put it at like a three point five out of five for me. I really liked it. Um, I'll definitely watch it again, probably when it's on Netflix. Oh, spoiler, we're report- recording this before it's out on Netflix. Whoops. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 3.5 out of 5 for me. Very fun movie, very worthy follow-up. Um, probably not one of the greatest sequels of all time, Tommy, the way that you phrased <laughs> that question, I would I would disagree with. But it's another good Ryan Johnson movie. He's had two good movies after one pretty bad one. I like that Star Wars movie too. So, you know, that's a whole other point of debate. <laughs> should, should we just abandon the point of this movie and get into that debate? Because I've had it so no. many 
fucking times. No, no, we're, we're not. We're not getting. We're not a Star Wars podcast. We're not getting into that fucking shit. We're gonna cover Willy Wonka. Then, That's what the spot's well, for. Well, at this timestamp, if you can see the background information, yeah, no, we we don't do that here. Um, we're gonna dive into a much more cheerful conversation about <laughs> a family favorite movie. That again, Tommy, like, I hope when you have kids, you show it to them. This is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. From the pen of author Roald Dahl to the motion picture screen comes a most unusual chocolate factory and the mysterious candy man inside. I'm so glad you could come. This is going to be such an exciting day. Gene Wilder is the mythical candy man, Willy Wonka, and he's opening his factory gates for five lucky children who find a golden ticket. Our hero, Charlie Bucket, wants his golden chance more than anyone. Open it, Charlie. Let's see that golden ticket. Wouldn't it be fantastic? It's not fair to raise his hope. Never mind. Go on, open it, Charlie. I want to see that gold. Stop it, Dad. I've got the same chance as anybody else, haven't I? Eat your way through the chocolate room. Take a ride on the Burke Pollock Wonka Mobile. Float around the bubbly, fizzy lifting room. Sail down the chocolate river on the SS Wonkatania. Step on the Wonkavator and go through the roof. Destination, the scrumdiddlyumptious world of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Rated G. So I am your host, Mike TV. Alongside me is Augustus Gloop. And uh, we are recapping our experience in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Tommy, so this is your first rodeo. Oh, sorry, Augustus, excuse me. This is your first rodeo. Tell me how you liked it how did you enjoy the magical land of pure imagination uh so this movie was actually a lot funnier than i would have expected um mm-hmm. i've only seen the, the tim burton version i saw it twice in theaters in the span of like two weeks or something it took like you like five it took you 30 seconds of us getting into the movie to to mention the the he who shall not be named the tim, what, burton, t- the tim burton charlie and the chocolate factory oh yeah yeah so I, I remember i saw that like in fifth grade and then like i think like i saw it twice that summer i was in theaters and i just remember it being like it was all right but like forgettable and kind of boring if, if from what i remember and so i just never really thought the city got the original because i was like oh whatever the tim burton one sucked but this one was full of humor that i felt like the tim burton one never had and just it was very whimsical very just like laugh out loud funny and like gene wilder was just like unhinged in this movie let's be real oh yeah they just let gene wilder do whatever the hell he wanted um it it was like one of those things that like this movie like it almost like could be slightly edited only to make this a horror movie (laughs) well i wanted to say that there was like horror elements there were sci-fi elements and then there's just like you know family film elements and pure comedy one of my favorite ones is so like the, the movie is structured into basically two acts. Your first 45 minutes is trying to find the golden ticket. And then the second act is in the factory. And this is there's a lot of great little like news reels and news clips and jumping around of like the desperation people are going through to mm-hmm. get a chocolate bar. And this one I thought was the funniest of them all. And as time passes, the men who seek them become more and more desperate. Gentlemen, I know how anxious you've all been during these last few days, but now I think I can safely say that your time and money have been well spent. We're about to witness the greatest miracle of the machine age. Based on the revolutionary Computonian law of probability, this machine will tell us the precise location of the three remaining golden tickets.
It says, I won't tell, that would be cheating. I am now telling the computer that if it will tell me the correct answer, I will gladly share with it the grand prize. He says, what would a computer do with a lifetime supply of chocolate? <sighs> I am now telling the computer exactly what he can do with a lifetime supply of chocolate. Like I, that was such cheeky British humor in that yeah. in the script there, and I love it so much. I, I didn't expect like for all the adults to be equally uh, like caring about like the fact that like you know the Holy Wonka thing. Um, my my favorite one was the woman who like her husband was taken hostage and held mm-hmm. ransom, and she's saying whatever it takes, like you know any amount of money, like, I don't care. Like put a, put a price on it, I don't care. And they said, well, they want your Wonka bars, and then immediately she's like, can I think about it? It, well, it was the scene before that is there's the auction for the Wonka bars. Yeah. And he's like, this is the last case of Wonka bars in all of England. And and then like the price goes up and then it cuts directly to like an FBI agent or whatever they have in England sitting with her, sitting with this woman whose husband was kidnapped for a case of Wonka bars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's just like everything was just so humorous. And I love the one news reporter in America that was like, you know, there is uh, much more things to hope about in life and much more things to be excited. I can't think of them right now, but I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> it, <laughs> it just made it just so like comedically whimsy. Like there's the teacher in the beginning of this movie that like just like uh, is like immediately when he hears about the Wonka thing, he's like, class is dismissed. We're going to find Wonka bars. That's it. Like, fuck it. No, no more class. <laughs> yeah. And I like when they he does the the, the scenes with the percentages. And he's like, Charlie, how many did you have? And he says two. And now, like, your brain is immediately wired to think, okay, they're going to make fun of him for being poor because that's the easiest joke to make. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, I can't do that kind of percentage. Just two? No, we're going to pretend you had 200. And despite the the stomach aches that you would have had. And I was like, okay, I like that, like, little misnomer of humor because where you thought it was going to go, you thought it was going to be, like, the class heckling him for being a, a poor and mm-hmm. uh, they do not do that, uh, which is nice. It's a it's a very sweet movie. So Tommy, I'm sure you've seen the memes of Grandpa Joe. You know him being a lazy piece of shit. Um, what did you think of for it? What did you think? Yeah, what did you think of Grandpa Joe? Uh, Grandpa Joe is like ostensibly uh, the secondary villain in this movie. <laughs> when you think about it, he's just such a piece of shit. Where like. Literally, the second that like uh, Charlie gets the golden ticket, he's like, "Oh, fifteen years later, now I can finally get out of bed." Twenty, like, oh. twenty, yeah, it's like twenty. The, the grandparent, <laughs> like, and I get it because it's like I think this was written in the forties or the fifties, and like that's a big part of the book is them just being in the bed, but it's just more of like that's such an a ridiculous visual. Yeah, of, it's of, like four a... grandparents laying in a bed. Is I think the only reason that it's in there, but like when you think about it logically, it's like these men are sitting in this bed. Keeping their family in just pure poverty, yeah, for no real reason. Yeah, it's, it, I love that's never explained. It's just the absurdity of Raw Doll right there, where it's just like, okay, like whatever, we're gonna go with it. And then like Grandpa Joe uh, also just like you know gets Charlie in trouble, <laughs> so he's the one that immediately like eggs Charlie on. He's like, we should drink this. Uh, the was it Sizzy the Fizzy Pop, the, Fizzy Pop, whatever. We should really drink that. It's just like, come on, so over and over again like i knew that meme going in and it was just like it tracks i could see why people are so pissed off at grandpa joe 
I mean, you know, you should really uh, try to take care of your family instead of, you know, lying in a bed. bed. Like, my brain was just like, think about how disgusting those sheets are. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They probably never change them whatsoever. (laughs) Never change them, never wash them. Um, They don't get up for 20 years. How do they... uh, Yeah, use the facilities when when that nature calls. <laughs> I guess that was just something that we didn't think about at all, huh? Roll. Think, uh, that's not something that we need exactly. So I mean, you know, it's such a whimsical movie that's like we can just skirt past that part. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine with them not explaining the uh, the bathroom, bathroom situation. situation in a G <laughs> family movie. Yeah, that people are already diving too deep into where it's like, oh, he's a lazy bum, he's a piece of shit. It's like, ah, dude, it's. I think it's just because he thought it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. strictly the only reason that it's in there. Um, yeah, but this movie was released in 1971, so we're on the 51st anniversary of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and it was mm-hmm. kind of a bomb. It it had a three million budget and just earned about four million dollars. Yeah, which gained its reputation through VHS releases and being on TV. Yeah, shockingly, I mean, it was such a bomb that, like, literally in 1977, Paramount, um, the rights for like the release of this, laughs, and because it wasn't a profitable movie, they're like, "Oh, whatever, we don't care." And then Warner Brothers was able to take it over, and you know, that's why Warner Brothers produced the Tim Burton version. (laughs) So you know, they just didn't realize what they were sitting on, and like, like you said, through repeated TV viewings in the 80s, over and over and over again. This became like a essentially a cult classic uh, over time. Yeah, well, one of my guilty pleasures that I love to watch is um, Pawn Stars. Uh, I love watching the clips of that. And uh, the guy Rick, he loves Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. and he bid on one of the screen used everlasting gobstoppers and like a couple of Wonka bars for like two hundred and fifty thousand oh, dollars. Yeah. So like that's, this movie has a lot of popularity to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely some dedication. <laughs> the real star of this movie though is Gene Wilder. Like, I mean, we're gonna we already know who won that category before you even click this podcast. Yeah. Who the star of this movie is. Um in your opinion, is this his most iconic performance? I definitely say it's up there. The other contenders would probably be what the producers. At this point, and maybe like uh, one of his Richard Pryor movies, like Silver, it was a Silver Train, Silver Bullet. I forget, I forget what the name uh, of that movie was. Blazing Saddles. Oh, Blazing Saddles too. Yeah, uh, obviously right there. Young Frankenstein's obviously up there, and any of his Mel Gibson roles. But I think when people think Gene Wilder, they think of this because you know there's that meme of him with his like you know sarcastic Wonka like thing, thing that's been viral for like ten years now at this point. Yeah, like half this movie's been a meme. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> at some point it was one of the early memes. Was the uh, obnoxious Wonka where he just like puts his hand on his uh, chin? Yeah. He's like, oh, why don't you tell me about that? Which I don't even think is the line in the movie. Well, it, it, that wasn't even he was being sarcastic, but I mean, like it. Jane Waters goes on so many different levels. Like we said earlier, it's just unhinged at some points. Like you know, the whole tunnel scene is terrifying to the point that Bravo put that on their 100 scariest movie moments of all time. <laughs> Tommy, my man, you're just getting better and better at setting me up here for some <laughs> clips. Goodness. There's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> singing. which direction we are going. There's no knowing where we're rowing going. or which way the river's flowing. 
Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane a-blowing? <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing! And they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing! Oh, make him stop, Daddy! Walker, does he go far enough? Quite right, sir. Stop the boat! That was loud. I will lower that. But <laughs> um, I love that. It's. I think it's my favorite part of it, where you really see that holdover of the late 60s, like trippiness, and they put that in this movie. Mm. Like that just, it's so trippy, man. And it's definitely where the horror, The it's the only scary part of the movie. Yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean, I can imagine if I saw this as a little kid, I would have been like terrified of that one scene and be like, oh my God, Wonka's so like scary. In some ways, I saw some like uh, like thing on Reddit recently where I was like, this almost is like a slasher movie in some ways where it's just like the kids all die in gruesome ways because I think most of those kids ended up dying. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> you think they're all dead? Willy Wonka promised Charlie at the end of the movie that they'll all be fine. They'll all be the normal selves, but maybe just a little bit wiser. Um, but they're all like various like gluttony, greed. Um, yeah. Wrath. Wrath, yeah. Envy, like they're all the, like the seven deadly sins, like they're all supposed to showcase that those kind of things they're embodied in that um mm. who's your favorite of the kids probably which one was the spoiled one again baruka um, baruka i think that she was the most hilarious and her song was really cute too and it's just like you know a total brat right there <laughs> yeah she was she made some of the kids we went to high school with uh blush blush yeah they were wow <laughs> Wow, it's yeah. like wow. Nope, that's that's a true brat. She wanted a golden egg. She wanted everything. Yep. She wanted the Wonka boat, but then after she's the ride, the she I didn't want. She didn't die. want. Yeah, I, I think she was the only one that died. If any of them died, because like he, he was like, oh, she's in the incinerator. It might be on. It might be the day it's off. There's a fifty chance it's not. And it's like Jesus Christ, Wonka. <laughs> and I will also then Mr. Salt would die. Would have died the dad because he dives in Roy Kinnear. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> it's hilarious how they just pick them off one by one. Um, uh, and they're all very unique and creative. Augustus Gloop, who's gluttony, just consuming, consuming uh, the chocolate river, falls in, gets stuck up a tube. Um, Violet chews the gum that she's not supposed to chew yet. It wasn't ready and turns into a blueberry. Veruca, turns out she's a rotten egg on the scale. Yeah. And then Mike TV, he becomes television size on the the Wonko television, whatever the hell that thing was called, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it was a very cool little visual effect right there. <laughs> so, I mean, like, when he says, like, oh, he's going to, like, uh, be, like, take him to, like, the Laffy Taffy room or some bullshit like that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to, the Taffy room. He's just young enough that you can stretch him out like that. So Wilder apparently accepted the role um, for this movie uh, on the condition that he could walk out the door uh, with a cane and a lint during his entrance. And when the director asked him, like, why do you want to do that? And Wilder said, from that time on, 
No one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. And he was adamant that he would decline the role if he couldn't do that. So, I mean, like, I, I can see why. Because, like I said, he says to Charlie at the end of the movie, don't worry, all the kids are going to be fine. But I could almost see a, a, a side of him where it's just like, no, all those kids are dead in, like, you know, in the middle of the river or something. But don't worry like about a factory. It. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't good kids. And they weren't. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Des- do you think they deserve to die? No. But, again, like, I, I could always, I, I could already see the YouTube recut trailer of, like, this just being more scary. <laughs> Well, I think they kind of deserve to die because they just didn't listen to Willy Wonka. Mm. And he was very explicit about his instructions. And they did what they wanted to because they've never been told no before in their lives. Yeah, they're all just spoiled brats. And Charlie's the only one that like was able to own up to his mistakes and tell him, like, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. <laughs> well, and then there was Slugworth, who actually was a guy that works for Willy Wonka pretending to be Slugworth who wanted to, them to steal the everlasting gobstopper. But that wasn't really gonna like work. Like, like I guess, because like there was even the thing where he's riding the Wonka mobile where the, the soda pops just pouring out of it and Mike TV uh, and his mom are like, he's just, she's just like, just keep the gobstopper put it in your put it you know put it in your pocket like they were very clearly just gunning for the ten thousand dollars at the end of the uh at the end of the tour yeah yeah just another wonka (laughs) test though just another wonka test yeah that's it's like the ultimate playground like this had to have been an influence on like saw right i I could i could definitely see that i'm just like them just taking like what's the most fucked up degree version of this that we can make <laughs> i love that the only thing you thought of the entire time during this whimsical family film was just like <laughs> how fucked up can i make it how can we make this as fucked up as possible that was the I, only I, inst- that was your pure instinct the entire time that was my that was my pure instinct where i was just like well i was also just like taken back by like the humor especially in the first like a third of the movie like we said earlier but <laughs> overall i just thought like gene wilder just giving such a manic performance i just love it <laughs> Yeah, he he really gives all of his energy. And I know when he passed away, he passed away from Alzheimer's. And one of the requests when he was diagnosed was that it never became public because so many kids loved him. And like even towards the end of his life, he just he has such a distinct face and had the crazy hair that he was so recognizable that he didn't want to scare away. Mm like potential kids that wanted to come up and just meet Willy Wonka or something like that, even if he didn't really recognize what was going on at that point, which speaks to the character of Gene Wilder as a human. I I read a little trivia thing that the actor who played Charlie, um, when Gene Wilder died, he changed his social media profile to be inherited a chocolate factory on like August uh, 26th. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good joke. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So that that's really. Well, this is the only movie that Charlie, um, the actor who played Charlie, ever uh, did. Because after this, he uh, just became a veterinarian, and he's just didn't want to do movies anymore. He's like, ah, I, I might feel of it. It was fine. <laughs> it was only in one that people still watch fifty-one years later. I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. Of all the movies, to be your one movie. <laughs> yeah, there there are worse actors in worse one movies. Um, how did you think Peter Ostrom did in his one and only role as a child actor? I think it was good. I, I, sometimes with child actors, it could be just like insufferable. And like, you know, some of the kids in this movie were brats, so it made sense. But Charlie just felt like very earnest and very sweet. And it didn't feel grating whatsoever in a way that it could have easily if it was a terrible child actor. Yeah, I also I don't think they really asked him to do very much. He's kind yeah. of 
in the background of most of it and like they put you know gene wilder jack albertson as like the main people that are going to interact with him uh, mm-hmm. like they put terrific actors there to really like carry it which i think is always a great idea if you're going to work with kid actors have professional actors mm-hmm. that can like handle the heavy lifting <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah. give the majority of the, the stuff to the like adults <laughs> just have the kid just think is all Troy has to do is just like act like doe eye like oh wow <laughs> Oh, gee gollies, I've never experienced a single thing in my whole life except my route, my paper route, and my home. That's yeah. pretty much Charlie, like, as a character. Yeah. Kind of uh, the idyllic kid, you know, poor kid that very easy to sympathize with um, and to root for. Um, it makes it, like, an easy connection for the audience to kind of, like, latch onto during this adventure. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the set design. Uh, especially when you walk into the chocolate factory and the journey goes through and then the first room which is the um it's like the chocolate room with like all the mushrooms you in the river and everything yeah you've seen it if you've seen it you know it if you haven't seen it you've seen it parodied somewhere yeah and i think it's like just incredible set design because it's it's from 1971 but yet it's still everything 51 years later that like tim burton who's known for his crazy wild set designs like couldn't even top or match because it feels exactly what that would look like if it was a practical chocolate factory but also like this whimsical imagination Mm -hmm. factory at the same time Mm mm-hmm yeah, like otherworldly and everything like that. It's one of those things that this movie in general, I mean, like like you said, has been parodied to death. I mean, like what the Simpsons have done it, Family Guy's done it. Everything's um, feature, done it. Yeah, like almost everything to the point that like, you know, there's like a Tom and Jerry meet uh Willy Wonka out there, which sound awful. <laughs> but it still hit really well and still hit those beats and like, you know, was able to come past like this is why it gets parodied so much because it's just a great movie. <laughs> yeah, and I think it has a big, you know, the music's great in it too. Um the song mm-hmm. Uh, the pure imagination song is like timeless. Uh, that's a song people will still be hearing a hundred years from now. Yeah, and that's well, one hundred fifty years from now, and that's that's a long time, Tommy. We'll be we'll be dead, but this podcast will still be going on. We're going to record so many episodes that for a hundred and fifty <laughs> years, yeah. yeah, exactly. You could still be listening when we're in our when we're in the retirement home, like in our seventies. Just like you know, instead we just make it our full time thing where we like fun, like five pods a day. <laughs> I haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tiffany. We're covering uh, Knives Out 10. <laughs> this time it's done by Ryan Johnson II. And he's not quite as the director his father was. <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, who is the star of Willy Wonka? And the Chocolate Factory. We kind of buried the lead, but it is yeah. Willy Wonka. It's uh, Gene Wilder. I mean, I, I don't blame him for like naming the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, just to make it a little bit more like ubiquitous right there. But uh, Gene Wilder just like really puts the film on his shoulders. And like the second he enters the movie, it's like a breath of fresh air. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I will say that because he comes in at the 40. I pause the movie and it, it's at like the 45 minute mark, almost exactly when he finally enters. Mm-hmm. And it, it completely changes because I was I was even feeling at that point because they put a couple of I think they put three songs in there on the um on the non chocolate factory side on like the first half. Yeah. And like when, when the mom was singing the song about Charlie, I was just like, Oh, 
boy, I'm let's I'm, yeah, re- yeah, I'm let's ready to this. get to the I'm ready to get to the chocolate factory. I don't need to hear this mom yeah. that's in the movie for five minutes sing about her yeah. son. Like I, I, we get it, we get it. I don't need it. this. <laughs> let, leave it on the cutting floor. I don't need it. Yeah, but yeah. He, it's just such a terrific dynamic performance, and it's just such a good use of like an actor portraying misdirection so well and just really never revealing his hands and like it's just full of wit mm. and it's it's one of the most iconic film performances of all time yeah uh, easily <laughs> ah, are you ready comedy partner waka waka tommy would willy wonka and the chocolate factory work as a muppet adaptation I kind of feel like there already is like a Muppet Willy Wonka thing. If there's not, it would be a very obvious thing for them to tackle because they've done like what the Wizard of Oz and they've done other whimsical things and stuff like that. I mean, literally, you just make Kermit. Um, no, Willy Wonka. Gene, you keep Gene Wilder. You, you keep you keep Gene Wilder. Okay, okay, but yeah, Kermit's, like the, Kermit's Charlie. The Oopa Loopas are obviously all the rats from the Muppets. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you get right there. Uh, who would be Charlie? Charlie would be Gonzo or Kermit. No, Charlie would be Kermit. Yeah. Um, and then Grandpa Joe would be Sam the Eagle, probably. Sam the Eagle, maybe Fozzie. I don't know. He could be anybody. Yeah, but I think they would. It would be a perfect fit for the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, they would have a lot of fun with it. The Muppets would. Um, we didn't really talk about the Oompa Loompas. What did you think of them? I, I mean, like like I said, it's a pop culture ubiquitous thing that, like, you know, I knew going to what they're like. The songs were very cool, and it was just I like that they didn't feel the need to explain them. Remember the Tim Burton like had a backstory for the Upalopas. It's like we don't really need like that much of a backstory whatsoever. We just need Gene Wilder saying that quick thing about them, and that's fine. And they're cool, and they're, and they're very you know fan- fantastical. <laughs> yeah. Um, compared from what you can remember, because I'm also doing. I think I saw this in theaters when it came out, the Charlie and yeah. the Chocolate Factory, like 17 you, years ago. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whenever the hell it came out, uh, what did you think of Johnny Depp versus Gene Wilder? I'm putting you on the spot here. Uh, put him on the spot of a movie I haven't seen in 17 years. Uh, uh-huh. Johnny Depp, I remember just being very um, weird. It was creepy. <laughs> it was like Michael yeah. Jackson. And that was like when Michael, like all the stuff about him with kids and stuff was coming out too. Yeah. And he just had this like pale skin. And it was just like, like this doesn't match the spirit of the original. Like the original is shot so flat, like color wise. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just a normal movie. Like they had a low budget. They spent it all on building the sets, building that world out. And then like the Tim Burton one was just like, not good. Don't watch it. Yeah. I have no desire to revisit it. I mean, I remember thinking it was okay as a fifth grader, but like that was like kid me and you know, kid me obviously didn't have the as better taste as I do now. <laughs> eh, debatable, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I say, as I watch like Halloween, like part seven or some shit <laughs> later on. It's still, it's a two out of five. I know it sucks, but you know, listen, there's this one part about it with Michael Myers that you just really need to get to comprehend the character. Okay. Yeah, got it, Tommy. Yeah. But, all right, review time, Tommy. Give me a score out of five. Uh, so I think this is a very fun little movie. Um, like I said, there's a lot more humorous than I thought. Gene Wilder gives an all-time performance, and I think that was just very captivating throughout. Um, I'm going to go 3.5 out of five. Um, I did think it was a very enjoyable romp right here. I'm also going to give this, no, I'm going to give it a four to five. I just think it, it twings your hearts in places that you can, again, like you're a kid. And there's things about it where you can, like as an adult, a lot of the humor that probably go, went over my head as a kid, like the first 45 minutes of it, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, it keeps you entertained and engaged through the setup and the build up to the factory, which I think is a good instrument of use of pacing in this movie that it, it takes 45 minutes to get you there right when you're like, all right, when are we going to the factory? I'm I'm done. I'm, re- I'm ready to go. And then it takes you there. And then the rest of the movie goes by with a blink of the eye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's it for haven't seen it. 2022. 49 episodes. That means the first episode of season two is going to be episode 50, Tommy. Damn. <laughs> so th- thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a great year, a great ride for us. You know, um, we're really happy for all the support we've gotten and having like guests on, like the Film versus Film podcast, uh, Sidetracked with Abby and John. And it's been great to also, like, you know, have people Cody on. Tucker. Cody Tucker, um, you know, or some of our friends uh, have been able to get on. And it's been really great just like, you know, having me be able to do like even goofy shit, just share our nerdiness of movies that we've loved. It's been a big passion of ours, obviously, for years. And it's been great to really bring that out to the world right there. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow us on social media at Seen It Pop. Uh, that's on Twitter and TikTok. And leave us a five-star review while you're listening. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. Yes. As I said in the beginning with my Oompa Loompa song, it was so cute, wasn't it, Tommy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So thank you guys all so much for for listening. I think we're going to take the first week of January off just to recharge the batteries. And we will see you back in January with even more movie fun and goodness. Have a happy new year. Thank you all so much for listening.